0: Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast, featuring in-depth conversations with executives, leaders, influencers, and journalists in this dynamic high-stakes industry. Hosted by Craig Pickin, founder of North Star Group, the boutique executive search firm for the aerospace industry. You'll learn how top aerospace executives are developing their people, competing for talent, overcoming challenges, and adjusting to industry trends to drive growth and profits. And now, let's join your host, Craig Pickett.
1: Welcome to the Aerospace Executive Podcast. I'm Craig Pickett. Hey, today I'm here with Bill Koch, a leading certified executive coach who works with some of the world's premier companies, including Apple, SpaceX, CAE Simiflight, and American Airlines. He's also playing a big role with the Rice University Leadership Development Program, as an industry executive, Bill was the youngest CEO of AMR Combs and today is the chairman of Hawthorne Global Aviation. Hello, Bill.
0: Hey, Craig, good morning. Good to be with you. How are you today? I am well, thanks, and I uh, appreciate you uh, putting together this this platform for leadership topics in the industry.
1: Thank you for uh thank you for being here. So tell us what your uh, Tell us what you're doing. Um, you've got a great. You know, you've become one of the leading coaches in the industry. Um, you know, start with your background and tell us more how you got into it.
0: Well, background. You mentioned you know, some of uh, some of my work in aviation. Look, that's an industry I love. I've spent uh, about 30 years um, in aviation related businesses, and I've had the privilege um, of serving for the last uh, almost 20 years as a CEO for four different companies, a, a large. Uh, public, a large private, and two private equity-backed uh, businesses, and that's true in good times and some some challenging times. Uh, but always running twenty-four-seven worldwide flight operations, so um, so earned my stripes, and I have some uh, plenty of gray hair to uh, to prove that. So um, that's a little background. But today, I mean, this this work that I love and get to do today is uh, is in leader development. So I'm I'm consulting, I'm mentoring, uh, mostly coaching some of the top leaders in some really great companies, a few of whom you mentioned, about how they're showing up as executive leaders and how they change an orientation from just just managing a business to leading an enterprise, um, which is taking it into an entirely different dimension.
1: So you describe today you know you've seen leadership over the years change. you know tell us what you know what what's an effective leader in today's climate
0: yeah well um, it's it's not the same old um, sometimes I refer to it as sort of command and control style of management that, that you and I probably grew up with you know experiencing earlier in our in our careers um, and so trying to apply kind of old school management skills to a leadership role today in this world—it's like trying to apply earthbound rules to you know, to an outer space environment. Um, we need the right tools for the job today. And uh, um, old ways of developing leaders were kind of episodic; they were not systematic. And and today we have the tools um, uh, to truly develop leaders. And uh, and when we do, uh, the companies who are who are engaged in this work are getting far better performance out of their out of their business. Direct correlation between leadership effectiveness and bottom line performance of their business.
1: So you were you were the young, you, know, you were the youngest CEO of AMR Combs. I remember I remember AMR Combs back in the day, and I think it sold uh, it sold to AMR, correct? Or or BBA ultimately acquired AMR Combs, right?
0: Exactly. Yep. It was. Uh, we had a great run in the 65 year um, uh, tradition of, of Combs, uh, and um, over 10 of those years under uh, AMR's ownership, which brought kind of Fortune 50 style structure and discipline, a lot of good things uh, to uh, to the business. And, and uh, for me, it was a great experience. I mean, so at you, a young age,
1: you were there, and, 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 and you took over as the CEO of that company. What, you know, 36, 37 years old.
0: 34. Yeah. I actually grew up. I mean, I grew up there. I'd been there for 12 years. So, I mean, that's the place where I learned, you know, operations, finance, um, and, and, you know, and participated as a member of a team building that organization and then ultimately had responsibility for getting, you know, peak performance out of it, um, leading a team that was able to achieve that and then ultimately a very successful sale process.
1: How did it feel? I mean, 34 years old. Um, I remember when I was 33, 34 okay. years old. I was no more capable of being a CEO of a subsidiary of a Fortune 500 company than the man on the moon. How did you feel about? I mean, it, you know, hey, that, but, you know, I had a lot to learn at that point. You had grown up in that business. You. Uh, what were the biggest challenges you had? I mean, you're, you're 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 young. You're eager. You're you know you're you 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 you. You're sort of yeah, at that point, did you feel like you, you were ready to take that step?
0: Did it just fall in your lap? how did how
1: did you feel? how did that how did that all come about?
0: Well, so how did it feel? Oh, my gosh, on the day that I received that um, appointment, um, I was elated, uh, of course, and uh, and then I went home that night and I was absolutely terrified. <laughs> was like, oh my gosh, you know what now what? Uh, how am I gonna do this? Uh, if I, I mean to the point that I, I almost felt like a fraud. It's like, how can this be? Um, and then I had an enormous burden upon me, an enormous responsibility, and um, uh, and quite honestly, I you know I, I needed help uh, at that point, and I'm so grateful for a combination of great mentors and and a great coach uh, in that it, you know, in that uh, sort of critical point in my career. Uh, looking back on it, I would say you know what they saw was that you know here's this young guy, he's got all the right stuff, um, but. Um, it needs, it certainly, um, I needed polish and, um, uh, and I needed, um, to get comfortable and confident in position in order to be effective. And some of that comes in time, uh, but most of it comes, um, with good guidance and concerted effort. And, and right there is kind of the sweet spot where, um, I really love working with, with coaching clients.
1: What's the biggest, you know, so you have a young up and coming superstar. You know, your late twenties, early thirties, very, very intelligent. Um, obviously, going to you know great, great levels. What's the biggest? You know, you, you see some, you, you see some great things. What's some biggest? Some of the biggest challenges that they have to overcome to actually make that breakthrough.
0: Yeah, I. I- I love working with the you know the fast climbers. I mean, we really connect, and I and I can relate uh, with them. But I mean, these are our leaders of the future, so I love to meet them right at that point of frustration when they they, they hopefully are starting to realize that um, being a leader requires, uh, in many cases, like new muscles, new skills that they just had never used before. Um, but they've got a long history. And lots of reward along the way for being superstar doers and and, and achievers. Um, but now that they're in an executive leadership role, especially new in that role, they are they are bumping into them, themselves and others often. Um, capacity constraints. Uh, they're they're frustrated because now it's all about motivating and inspiring others. I mean, they need help. They just they cannot. For the first time in their life, they feel like they don't have control. Right? Um, they and And I've actually had clients say this to me. They thought that when they got the title, the big job, that would give them the power right and And it absolutely doesn't work that way. They have to earn it every day,
1: yeah, well, when you're and, at the top of the when you're at the top of the peak, there's probably, you know, hey, look, we're all human, and we're at the top of the when you're at the top, there's probably you know uh, there there's a good number of people who would who would just assume see you fail. I see us succeed, I take it. And, and I guess the challenge is, you know, really you know, making the disbelievers believers as well as making
0: the believers, you know,
1: achieve their, achieve their best, too. Am I, am I correct there?
0: Yeah. You know, it requires, I mean, effective leaders are ones who make investment in others and far beyond just their direct reports. But it is about building a community of trust uh, with others and um, letting go. Letting go of some of the, you know, the the control that they um, cling to so dearly. Look, these are some of the toughest things, um, uh, you know, when thus far they've been in the driver's seat of their destiny, right? And this is a career-making moment, uh, and there's real magic here when they make this shift. Um, So this coaching process, this framework that I use helps these young superstar executives you know, get through this stage and on their way to becoming really, really accomplished leaders. And, and, and that's what the world needs a lot, a lot more.
1: Do they have like a, uh, you know, is it a gradual process? Do you, have you seen some, have you, it, it's fascinating to me as your, as your coach, do you, do, you, do, do some just kind of come along and then one day they're there and then others kind of have a hallelujah moment. I take it that, you know, leaders, Sort of discover themselves in in different ways. What have you
0: seen? It, it's a journey. It's a journey of self discovery um, for the leader. Um, but I will say that there's a method and a system that works, right? So we start with um, an assessment tool, and and I really surveyed the landscape out there over the last five years and and, and found the three that work really really well for me. Um, I use the Hogan Leadership Assessments. I use the Cornberry Voices 360 and their Leadership Architect series, mm-hmm. and then the Leadership Circle Profile, which is ideal for a, um, a C-level executive leader. But in essence, this is a 124-question um, online survey where we're going to we're going to find out from all the direct reports, the peers, the boss, you know, everybody in in the environment, um, uh, a lot about what um, what makes this executive. Tick, right? And, um, and what are their strengths? And we'll, it will reveal and confirm, you know, what are their really, really solid strengths? And let's make sure that, that the executive becomes aware of that and doesn't overuse those muscles. Um, mm-hmm. where are they solidly in the middle? And then, and then what are the few, and it's usually, Craig, it's usually two or three things that we can absolutely pinpoint like a surgeon just go in and, you know, and, and identify the very specific, um, behaviors, that uh, maybe you know tripping them up and getting in their way that with a shift in those behaviors, um, you know, it's just like opening a door for them uh, to a much brighter future. So, so we, um, that's where we go to work. Um, uh, and, and, and we're going to do this over usually a six month engagement. We're going to, um, you know, first uncover, discover those things that, um, areas that need attention and, um, and then design, um, of behavioral change uh, for them in their environment and how they show up in their organization. And that's the ongoing process. We're we're meeting every two weeks, either in person, video conference, or phone um, and reviewing their progress in these competencies um, in their environment with measures. Um, And I'll tell you at the end, I mean, they do a wrap up and, and, and we get very specific measured results that, that are awesome. They
1: just, so, so you remember, you know, pro athletes, you know, everybody, you know, always equates executives. A lot of times they equate executives to pro athletes. And I remember Tiger Woods back in the day. And he said, you know, my biggest weakness is the sand traps. And he says, well, yeah. You know, so how do you, how do you fix it? He goes, I don't hit into sand traps. I focus on my strengths. <laughs> so, you know, what's, you know, so you, you, you find people that need coaching or, you know, everybody needs coaching. So you find somebody and you're going down a path with them. Is it more effective to work on their strengths and hone those into laser focus? Or is it more important to sort of take their weaknesses and, and build them up? And get them you know get them so, stronger in certain levels
0: you know there's a pretty significant amount of study on this and, um, and it's a great question um, uh, and you know there are schools of thought that it's all about strength finders and you know and and pursue your strength and ignore the rest yeah. uh, I will say generally with executive high level executive leadership you know you have to you have to be a whole person um, you can't just be good at one function you know the higher you go the uh, the more whole person is needed and so Um, in my experience, uh, it is best to confirm their strengths, you know, know what they're really good at the stuff. They just wake up in the morning and, you know, it just comes naturally. Mm -hmm. Confirm that for them. Um, know where they're solidly in the middle. And then I kind of look at the whole bucket of, you know, let's say it's a dozen, you know, areas where they score relatively low, um, you know, in their, in their own 360 assessment. Um, you know out of that, we go through a whole process of narrowing those down to just two or three that will be absolute game changers. And, and, and that's, that's how we do it. And we get the biggest, best impact, uh, I think as a, as a result.
1: Yeah. So, so really, so you, yeah, I mean, so, so ultimately we were saying, is, Hey, look, you gotta be, it's, 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 we're going to do the best we can to make that CEO or COO or C level executive, the most w- well-rounded executive. Um, one thing we really haven't talked to in this, changing environment is EQ versus IQ. You know, everybody, everybody's talking about emotional intelligence now. Um, You and I have kind of talked about that, you know, offline. You know, I think it's, you know, EQ is probably every, yeah, you got to be smart, but the smartest guy in the room, you know, who says I'm the smartest guy in the room probably does have the emotional intelligence (laughs) Elite, elite <laughs> exactly.
0: <people. laughs> exactly nobody wants to work for that guy right anybody.
1: let me tell you how smart I am um, you know and so where do you see how are you evaluating emotional intelligence and what are companies doing to make sure that their executives have high EQ
0: so Craig it is the big thing I mean it, it is emotional intelligence is the number one predictor of personal success and organizational success. Um, it is in my opinion, it's just the difference that makes the difference. Right? Uh, so, as you point out, in a competitive environment, I mean, companies are going to hire IQ as as needed and they're just going to continue to ratchet that up. But IQ now is a commodity. I mean, it is, it's table stakes. It, 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 it may even become surpassed by artificial intelligence pretty soon. Good point. So, IQ, it just isn't enough anymore. Right? So, EQ Emotional intelligence is about people skills, and um, its key components are, are self-awareness, self-regulation, um, motivation, ability to motivate, um, and social skills. And, and we can dive deep into what all that means. It essentially means, I mean, this is the whole person, the well-rounded person, the one who can attract and motivate others and who shows up um, uh, with 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 a positive, powerful presence mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and and under pressure, which is the most important thing. We're, all of us get challenged when uh, when we're under pressure and in the business environment, <clears throat> that's just the world we live in. Uh, so these emotional intelligence skills uh, have to be consciously you know developed and practiced and consistently demonstrated under pressure. But the really good news is you know, eQ can be developed. And your IQ, by the time you get in the working world, your IQ is set. I mean, you're just, you're just not going to get...
1: You're not going to get Right. Um,
0: yeah. but, but your EQ can be developed, and, 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 and much, much of my work is in, is in that field.
1: Have you seen, I mean, you know, obviously no name. We're not going to mention names, but have you seen anybody that, you know, you've worked with that has just displayed, you know, what... You, know, you, you've, you obviously have been impressed with somebody with a really high EQ... What did they do that displayed, you know, tell us, some, tell us a story about somebody that displayed such a high level of EQ that they got it.
0: Yeah, the, well, when you think of um, the people who inspire you in life and inspire you in business, um, you know, they stand out. They're just a few. Um, and what are those, you know, what are those qualities? Of course, they're smart, they're competent, they're capable, they know, you know, they know their business, um, but they're not. Going to be the ones who are commanding and controlling and demanding and and um, you know and, and showing up as volatile. Um, I mean, we all know that kind of person, and um, and and that's what we don't want uh, any more of. And and quite honestly, the, the higher people go uh, in organizations, and again, there's a lot of study around this. The less aware, the less self aware they tend to become. And why is that? I mean, they they, they become protected. They become isolated. Um, and walls get built up you know around them, and sometimes they kind of like they read their own press releases and believe it, you know <laughs>
1: <laughs> so they, they sort of make their people want to do. you want to take the next step versus forcing it upon them. I think that's the
0: high i q or the high e q leader is the one who is establishing a vision for the future of this organization this is where we 're going this is where we're going to be in five years you know let's go achieve this together and invites people to contribute their best ideas, their best work to be a part of something that's bigger than all of us that's the high eq leader style
1: yeah, I got you now, now do you see that I mean uh, you know I think one of the great obviously one of the great business books it's that's quoted over and over and over again you know, it was jim collins good you know uh, good to great And he always talks about getting you know the right people on the bus and you know that's a very difficult task when you're when you're uh, you, know, you you think about building out an organization of maybe 30 40 50 people and you know identifying the right skills with the right personality qualities how does a good leader do i mean how does a good leader really do that yeah I, I'm in executive search. It's hard. It's a very hard thing to do. Um, yeah how do your yeah how are the companies that you're working with doing it, and yeah you know, what's making them successful?
0: yeah I, I'm with you. I am a huge fan of of Jim Collins' work. I mean, he was has been one of the most influential voices, I think in my business career years. Um, he got us to look beyond the immediate financial results orientation of many companies, and he really studied and validated for us what makes you know, great organizations that are, the title of his book, Built to Last. Right? Um, so this work I do is consistent with the Collins model. right? It's about investing in the people, um, building the culture. Um, and, and so this requires leadership skills, not management skills. Leadership skills that attract people to do amazing things uh, together.
1: You're working with American Airlines. I I fly American almost exclusively now, and yeah, you know, we'll probably get some people out there. They're like, yeah, the airlines. You know, yeah. I think Doug Parker has done a really good job with American. Um, you see it. You know you. I see it in the cabin crews, I see it in the quality of the aircraft, I just see it in how they're, you know, how how you know, operations at Charlotte are happening. You know, how are you, you know, what's what's happening in American? Are they are they are they focusing on that? You know, is you know, obviously I don't want to get into too much there is it's one of your clients, but is that something that they're taking a big uh a big run at?
0: Uh, Across the board, Isaac Parker too is doing a a great job of establishing a new culture uh, and a long term vision for what's possible for this organization. And uh, uh, mergers and acquisitions and combinations of companies are really complicated, especially when you know they're worldwide and and uh, uh, and you've got you know. Lots of different labor groups, and I mean, I don't think you can you can paint a picture that would be much more complex than uh, what the folks at American Airlines have assembled in in recent years. So, yes, yeah. um, I'm I'm really impressed uh, with the way that it is coming together. It's a work in process, uh, but I think you're seeing uh, really good leadership at the top and um, uh, and and throughout that organization right now.
1: Yeah, and I no, I I I see it. I mean, it's it, to me, it's transparent every time I fly them. And hey, look, there's always something that's going to go wrong. And I don't think it's preventing stuff from going wrong. It's how you how you act react to it when it does. And um, you know, I I think he's just done a, a terrific job. So you know, here we are. Yeah, you know, I wrote an article, and I I wish I could probably take it back now. But uh, we talk about millennials in the uh, in the workforce. You know, coming up and. Yeah, you know, I think they've become the most maligned group of folks in business and then you've got you know, whatever generation is coming behind them and eventually my kids are 16 and a half, and they're going to be coming into business in, in a couple years. You know, what you know, what is happening with the generational shift and how are you know what's the impact millennials are having on business, you know from your standpoint?
0: But here they come. I mean, they're here. They have arrived, and and we've got more coming. And and I love it. I am uh, I am really bullish about um, millennials in the workplace. But they they uh, I mean the way I characterize it, millennials are called by the pull of the future. Right? They they are not pushed by the old ways of the past. Right? They they offer so much promise, um, but their world and, and and their view of of our world, if you will, is different, right? Um, I may highly recommend about a 12 or 15 minute YouTube video that Simon Sinek did. Um, he was the author of, uh, what's your, or start with why, uh, he, he did a, a phenomenal interview on the millennial mindset and, um, uh, and it basically says, look, it's not their fault. I mean, we created this world for them. So, um, uh, we need to understand you know where they're coming from. I, I get to work with some of the best and brightest, um, in a leader development program at Rice University that you mentioned. I mean, here's a top 15 university, some of the really, really high IQ uh, students, um, and and we're working on the practice of leadership skills for these students in their current environment and in preparation for what they have to, to bring to the world. So uh, they're very high IQ. We start with them uh, with an EQ assessment, get them to work on specific leadership competencies um, you know, right there on the college campus. And, and, and most of these, some of these are even PhDs, um, you know, they are connected to, um, to, to the working world already. So they're learning how to influence, um, how, to, how to share ideas in compelling ways. I think this comes pretty natural for them. So they've got a lot to bring to the table, but they they are not, Craig, they're not going to wait for a 15-year career path to get them to a place where they might have a voice. In an organization. Uh, I I would characterize millennials as um, people who are willing to lead without a title. They they don't need the title. They they want more, they want impact. Mm -hmm. And I I think they're going to earn it. I mean, they're just, you know, they're not so concerned with titles and corner offices. They they don't want our old structures. They want to belong to something that's bigger than themselves and they want to have a part. They want to have impact. So, um, I'm really optimistic about the future based on my experience working with, uh, with Maria. There's some really, really positive energy and I'll, I want them on my team. Yeah,
1: yeah no, I, I, Hey, look, I agree. I've, I've been a speaker at a couple conferences recently and, you know, um, yeah you know, they, you know, their involvement in humanitarian issues, they all want to do, they, they, you know, they all focus towards doing the right thing for people. Um, it's definitely, you know, uh, I was right on the cusp of Baby Boomer Millennial and and uh you know, you just see the kids coming up these days or the young executives and and their thought processes are really they're they're smart, they're intelligent, they want to do the right thing, they care about, you know, the 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 global environment and the stuff that's important. What do you think motivates you, what's their big motivation? If there was one thing that you you were to point out as a motivator, what do you think motivates that generation the most?
0: To to have a voice to be a part of something bigger than, than themselves.
1: Are they finding it? Are, are companies giving
0: it to them? Yeah. I, well, I think, um, a, only a few companies are really creating the space, um, to, uh, attract that right now. And that's where the millennials are going, you know, the hip and cool places to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what can, Old school companies, if you will, uh, do to attract these kinds of millennials. Well, like I said, you, you're not going to attract them by saying, "Here, you know, you start at at this rung on the ladder, and in 15 years, you know, you can you can see your way to you know um, three more levels up." I mean, they don't have the patience for that. They won't tolerate that. Um, so, um, if 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 your company is still operating that way, let me suggest um, you're about to be disrupted.
1: We're, uh, you know, we're, You and I you know, both grew up in the aerospace business and in the aerospace industry. Is aerospace changing fast enough to attract the best
0: and the brightest? Some, yes, but I think there are some who better be, you know, who, who, who need to change pretty quickly. Um, old ways aren't working out. So, you know, aerospace, aviation-related businesses have um, structure and order and discipline because we're all about safety. And so, there's, you know, there's good reason for that. Uh, but what I'm talking about is, you know, organizational design uh, and organizational behavior. And um, I think we need to take a hard look at, at our organizational structure and see, you know, how can we attract some of the best minds to the table um, and recognize, you know, there's some super, super talented and intelligent and uh, people with something to offer who are you know, who are in their twenties. Let's let's hear what they have to say. Let's bring let's create a seat at a round table uh, for them to work on, on projects that matter to our company.
1: Yeah, I got yeah, I know it and, and where do you think that starts? Does it start in high school? Does it start in college?
0: Well the organization, I think it starts at the top. I mean I think our C level executives um, need to need a shift in their orientation to um, to welcome millennials to the you know, to their organization and, and, and realize what's possible when they, you know, when they do. Gotcha.
1: Yeah, I hear you. So you're actively involved in your, your coaching, um, with some, of I mean, you, you think about Apple and SpaceX and the cutting edge of the cutting edge of industry, you know, what's a, you know, what's a good coaching engagement look like? You know, if, uh, if, if we're, you know, if we're talking to you and we want to bring you on board, what's the, what's a typical executive look like that you're coaching?
0: So I'm working with, um, C level executives. Um, I mean, CEOs, CFOs are, are common among my clients and then the, the next tier down. And so in big organizations like Apple and SpaceX, I'm in that next tier where I'm working with their superstars who are moving into, um, the executive ranks. Um, and, uh, and so a coach coaching engagement generally looks like um, a six-month uh, structured engagement, um, at least it's an initial term. Um, these will be company-sponsored. Um, it's a company-made investment um, with a client-confidential relationship. So I'm going to work with that executive, and we're going to get real. We're going to get brutally honest with each other, and uh, we're going to talk about what's really going on. So. Um, that is a, a special confidential relation working relationship that we have together, but the company pays for this. They're sponsoring it. They have, um, you know, sort of a right to know is the executive making progress. And so we check in on that. And, uh, ultimately the, the boss is usually, um, pretty involved and and usually my client will have a really good working relationship with a boss or a board, um, to whom they, to whom they report. So, um, uh, First stage is kind of four or five stages. The first stage is just understanding the business. I'd say the first 30 days is us really getting to know each other, building rapport, um, uh, getting to know the client, the context, and, and we launch the 360 instrument of choice. I named a few that, that you know, we tend to work with. We we choose the right one and, and get it underway, get people providing the input that we need. So um, the next really important stage is this uh, receiving that information, the assessments, and uh, and and uncovering uh, what's inside, getting the discoveries, the valuable discoveries from uh, from the debrief of that 360. Look, this will be a 50, 60 page PDF report, charts and graphs. I mean, looking at um, this feedback information in in many different ways uh, to get the ahas that that you know that. Um, are so, so valuable from that. And then we get into action. We pick those two or three things that really, really matter that'll be the difference makers. And uh, we prioritize those competencies that we're gonna work on and we focus and build, you know, um, uh, action plans around those and, um, and get into action. And, and the magic happens over time, you know, the next sort of three to four months um, where they are practicing, the executives practicing these new new skills, new competencies, new areas of focus. Um, and whatever was showing up before is their sort of bad behaviors their old ways of doing things. Those start to evaporate, not because we're saying stop, do this, but because the focus is on the creative competencies and the new behaviors, um, you know, emulating who they want to be as a leader. And, um, uh, and it's, it's an awesome experience for them and, you know, ultimately for the, for the organization. So, and then we wrap up with, um, uh, with, uh, everything is measured. Everything. So, we wrap up and do an assessment. We uh, uh, we measure the gains, and then we put a plan in place to how are we going to sustain the gains in these competencies? Um, and if possible, let's go back to the 360 and find two more. You know, what are the next two that matter most? And and keep this going um, with or without a coach. They should be trained enough that they can fly solo at this point.
1: When a company sponsors an executive um, for your coaching. Do they have a goal in mind, or is it open-ended? You know, hey, look, Bill, we, you know, we see this person as a uh, you know, you know, great potential leader. Here's where we see him lacking. We want to develop this. Or is it more of a, we see this person as having a great impact in our organization in the future. We want to make sure that they're prepared
0: for the next levels. Or is it both? Yes, both. I mean, I see, I see all of that. And, and, and I've had a few where, and, and they say, this is somebody we really treasure. We really want to invest in, you know, but there's these, you know, these, these few things need to change, or they're bumping into obstacles or bumping into other people <laughs> in the organization and, and it isn't working for him or her or for us. So, um, but sometimes, um, you know, this, this comes from, um, Problems um, that need to be addressed, but for the most part, it is just as you described. And this is already a proven superstar in our organization, and they need this, you know, uh, this, the secret sauce, you know, to, to move, to make this transition successfully into uh, the role of executive leader. It's a different game than being a manager.
1: Right. Yeah, well, no, it's a, it's, it's kind of like going from minor leagues to pro baseball. You know, as I, as I tell my kids, you know, you, you, you look at the NFL and you think about what, you know, five million kids play high school football and then you go to division one college and it, it, it gets narrowed down to a couple hundred thousand and out of that couple hundred thousand, you know, 270 are drafted into the NFL of which 135 actually make it. So to make that, to make that leap, from manager to CEO, that's a big step, and oh, there you go. A lot of coaching, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of education, that's a lot of coaching. That's a great lot of,
0: analogy. Yeah. So that's a great analogy, and you know another good example where a lot of coaching along the way, including you know a specialty coach when they're when they're at the top of their game. If you're a quarterback in the NFL, you've got a, a dedicated quarterback coach. Right? Yep. So um, it's a little bit like that in the executive world too.
1: Have you had some? Uh, have you had? Have you had some great success stories? And you know, just some people that you, you, you know, you're 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 pleased as punch and can't wait to uh, you 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 can't wait to watch the headlines in a year or so to see the great things they're doing.
0: Yeah, there there are a few like that that um, you know are the, the companies to watch uh, because I know the people and I have kind of an inside view. Um, I recently just concluded a uh, uh, an engagement with a, with a superstar uh, CFO a 5 billion revenue company, real hotshot talent who was recruited from, from a high profile company. Um, always, always the smartest guy in the room. I mean, IQ in the stratosphere, um, a really amazing track record of success from his whole life, you know, from school, college, B school, um, skyrocketing career. He's he's 35 and he's already, you know, done more than most people do in a career. Wow. Uh, True, true golden child. Right. Um, but we, uh, we received his, um, 360 feedback, and man, he got some really challenging uh, news there. Um, it, his perfectionism, um, his iron grip control on everyone and everything, was being perceived as you know, as if he was like micromanaging the enterprise, and this is a big business, right? Um, he was just completely over-identified with uh, getting results, right? very short-term focused, and, and, and had a great rec- you know, track record of making the numbers, but, uh, he had just compulsively, I think, overdeveloped this task driven results oriented, uh, approach and, and was missing the EQ side, the softer side um, of life and human relationships and how to motivate people. And, you know, this is not uncommon, um, among CFOs, among, you know, C-level executives. So, um, he, 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 got the information uh, went through a process of uh, kind of coming to grips with it and accepting it which was a really you know big step that was more than one meeting you know? um and 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 then uh came forth with the willingness to uh, to do some work and it i'm not talking about you know a total change i'm talking about just a pinpointed shift in a few behaviors and he he learned how to show up differently um and he, he it's like his heart opened up and he started to relate to people and, uh, uh develop competencies that helped him much more, uh, selfless leader, um, much, much more of a balanced person. Um, I mean, he started actively mentoring and developing people on his team rather than commanding and controlling people on his team. I mean, this was with, you know, with, with a concerted effort, this was his action plan was to go do this. And, and as he did it, it's like, you know, it, it just he lit up. He just absolutely um it, you know, it was um it was really inspiring to see. So he started building these caring connections and long well, story short, he's in a much better place today. Um he's also a whole lot happier both both at work and and the stuff works at home too. You
1: know? yep. So oh, yeah. Yep. Oh man, yeah, I uh, know. You got to think that EQ side, you know, you, you, you know, the the ability to negotiate with your kids and your spouse and uh, things of the sort. Like, um, you know, it, uh, uh, it all probably, it, it's all hand in glove with how you you know, work with people at the office as well.
0: Yeah. Well, so this guy is no longer, you know, death grip on the wheel. You know, he is. Um, he is totally future focused he is looking five years out he is setting long term vision strategy uh, he is being really purposeful um, and visionary right, about the future and and here's what's amazing is the results of the business this is a really successful company they just keep getting better right because they are achieving results now through others rather than you know all of it under his control and it's just exponentially. Better and better and better. So, um, I'm still working with him uh, in a different mode now um, and, and other members of this executive team. And it's just very, very rewarding work. And I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about what's possible for, for this company. So, you know, that, that's a, that one I found just particularly rewarding, but it's also pretty indicative of the way many of, and uh, most of these relationships go. I mean, this is, it's a journey, it's pretty serious inner work uh, that, that drives the outer game.
1: Yeah, that no, that's I, and that's that's a great story. And that's the one thing I always, ta- you know, I always scratch my head a little bit. I I said, you know, I look at companies and, and think about why aren't you actively investing? I know it's hard to get an ROI on money spent, but yeah, you know, when you think about investing in your people and coaching them for greatness, and why more companies don't necessarily do it, um, you know, I know our time's kind of getting short here. The one last thing is I want to talk about is culture. Everybody, you know, culture is big these days. You've got companies with great cultures, companies with big, bad cultures. And can a, can a leader really change the culture of the company? And if the answer is yes, you know, how does he do it? You know, if, if someone's listening to this podcast and saying, how can I really change our culture
0: for greatness? Is that, you know, how, you know, how do they do that? So the answer is yes, they can change, and the great companies have great cultures. Period. So, I mean, there's, there's just no exception to that rule. Um, I mean, you know, the good to great um, companies all have uh, yeah, culture is the reason. Right? So, uh, but what? And, and it's all about the leaders. It, it starts at the top. So, um, you know, what are the qualities and characteristics? But we all have natural patterns of reactive behavior and ways we behave under pressure. Uh, it's important to uncover, discover those, and and address them. There are proven strategies, um, uh, creative competencies, that are the things we all want to do more of, and what organizations need. I mean, this is relating to people, um, our own self awareness, um, the authenticity with which we show up as leaders, um, our systems awareness for the long term, um, our our achieving. Qualities, our ability to get results for the organization. I mean, these are the categories of creative competencies that um, that can be developed, that must be developed um, in order to create a really healthy culture that's going to create a really healthy, long-term, sustainable business.
1: Yeah, I think about like Uber with uh, with Travis Kalanick. You know, Mm -hmm. Uber aggress, literally an Uber aggressive culture um you know on the board you know you know walking on a razor blade in a lot of circumstances and then all of a sudden Derek comes in you know totally new CEO and it seems like that culture is changing pretty quickly um so i guess the answer is yeah you you can change it but it just takes a really you know it takes a really focused skill set um
0: and one more reason to be there's, there's art and science to this Yes, yeah. uh, but and there's it, both. You can't you can't just wing it. I mean, they take advantage of the science that, that backs this up. You know that will literally shine a light on the path. Here's the way, and check yourself. Do the 360. Make sure that you've got the right stuff. Um, I, you know, find your strengths. Find out where you are already solid. You, you may be you may be 80 of the way there already. Most good leaders are. Um, yep. uh, but but man, what's that? It's that little extra. Um it makes the difference.
1: but one more reason for a board of directors when they're doing a CEO search or a CEO, when he's doing a COO search or a you know CFO search to to look more about hey leader the, the ability to lead versus the ability to do. And you know many times the leadership aspect gets put second to the doership um, ability.
0: And, and I think you just stressed, hey, hey, look, that, that aspect is, is hugely important. And, and you mentioned, you know, what's the ROI on this? And, you know, I'm, I'm approaching a hundred client engagements, you know, completed recently. And, um, and we measure growth in everyone through their outtake surveys with both numeric and, um, and qualitative measures, right? So I've got 15, um, quantitative measures and just the top few, um, of those, that, that these are respondents reporting, you know, that they that they made huge gains. The number one is their ability to be decisive in the moment uh, and make good decisions under pressure. Man, is that valuable. I mean, that's huge. Right? Yeah. Um, another is their ability to discuss really heated issues constructively. So being able to have honest and challenging conversations that are effective, right? I mean, that's hard to do sometimes in a big organization. Uh, mm-hmm. uh and they they self report that this growth they've had in their ability to look openly at their own personal strengths um as well as their challenges so that's self awareness that's eq yep uh, Yep. Yeah. And uh, and then their ability to clearly envision and establish a path toward a brighter future for their organization. I mean, that's one of the top things they're reporting that they've accomplished at the end of a coaching exercise. So I mean, that that's the definition of leadership right there. So, yeah. Um, you know they're they're getting results.
1: Yeah, I got gotcha. you. How do uh, I, hey, I Bill, I I know we've been on this call for about forty five minutes, and and you got a lot of things going on, and. And uh, I, I want to invite you back. I've really, I've really enjoyed this one today. And I know we've, we've just scratched the surface with,
0: with leadership. But how do, uh, how do people get a hold of you? Um, easiest way is a website. Uh, so it's BillKoch.coach, uh, B-I-L-L-K-O-C-H.coach. Um, so feel free to connect there or LinkedIn. Um, And in this industry, look, I'm I'm attending every. I've been to at least thirty NBAA's. I'm always there. Um, NATA events. um, Going to HAI next week. So um, uh, glad to get together and talk about um, how this work could help businesses in uh, in aviation. So, um, Greg, I just want to thank you too for you know you're bringing some really meaningful conversations about leadership to uh, to this industry. So I'm looking forward to the. The body of work and the community of interest that you're creating, and um, I'm just glad to be have been a part of it with you today.
1: Well, I appreciate you being on. Will you Will you come back down the road? Glad to.
0: All right. <laughs> Thanks for what you're doing.
1: Awesome, Bill. Hey, thank you very kindly for your time today, and uh, look forward to catching up.
0: All right. Take care. Talk soon.